Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. I see someone who is practicing what Jesus did, which is, I came to serve and not to be served. I take note, and this guy has been serving us like nobody's business for quite a while. And I just publicly want to say, I honor this guy. Thank you. And these two, these, these guys have knocked themselves out behind the scenes. And I tell you, it's music to my ears when someone says to me, you don't have to do a thing. Go sit down. What can I get you to eat? <laughs> Jackpot. <laughs> so without further ado, Mansoor. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, did not expect that. Good morning, everyone. Um, I have to say, I can't take credit alone, even though I love to, but I can't take the credit alone. I got this whole crew of team over here that helps DD. Uh, they serve a lot, they help a lot, so thank you all. Um, well, good morning. Um, I got a confession to make, a couple of confessions I want to start with. Uh, it's not a good way to start, but uh, the confession is, firstly, I got actually, before confession, I got quite a few friends over here. Uh, some from out of uh, the other side of the world, they have come. So thank you for coming, guys. <laughs> Oklahoma. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, the confession is I'm going to look at the lots on my notes. You know, walking from that chair to here, I've almost already forgotten everything that I wanted to say. So I'm going to look at the lot. <laughs> also, be patient with me when it comes to time. You see, I, we have some foreigners that are usually timely, but foreigners generally are late to everywhere they go, especially Middle Easterns. And if you notice, Jesus was actually Middle Eastern. And one day was a thousand days. So, <laughs> so we're not going there. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just making a point. But I just want uh, just a quick prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you that you are our Father. We love to love you. We love to love you. There could not be anyone better. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for adopting us. Thank you for making us your son. In Jesus' name. I wanted to start with um, Isaiah 53. I call it a Christmas chapter. You know, you usually see it read during the Christmas time occasions. They got up, surely he's born our griefs and carried our sorrows. Or if you're like me, you change your voice and you're surely he's born our griefs. <laughs> but that's what usually it's done is during the occasions, get up, they read, and they go and sit down. But I think it's such a beautiful scripture. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. I believe true understanding of the work of cross, if you really understand the work of cross, it forces you, challenges you 
to unlearn certain things and relearn certain things. And I am sure I uh, know quite a, few of, quite a few of you are familiar with that. It, it challenges your mindset. It challenges the way you, you think, your mentality. And it should, it should affect the way we react and the way we behave. I believe um, uh, the appropriate response to any situation stems from knowing who we are. It stems from our identity, it stems from who, knowing who God is, knowing His will, knowing His intentions towards us, and knowing His heart. I think that's where the appropriate response comes from. <clears throat> Our response is often based on what we know. If, um, if I know two types of dancing, two, two, two moves, two dance moves, right? Would, one of them would be the good old Christian move, you know? And the other one would be like shaking or whatever part of the body you want to shake, right? <clears throat> so if I know two types of dancing, and if I'm faced with a situation that I, in an occasion, in a party or whatever, and if I am asked to dance or if I'm told to dance or invited to dance, my response is, would be either I would say my leg is hurting, or I'm not in mood, you know, I back off, or it would be dance what I know, which is the shake or the jump, whether, whatever style of music you play, I can only dance what I know. The dance somehow, it cannot, on, out of the blue, be created, the whole ballroom dance. I, if I don't know what to do, I will try, but I'll mess up, right? And um, I believe that's why the writer of Hebrews uh, in chapter 6, it says, Therefore, let us get past the elementary stage in the teaching about Christ, advancing unto maturity and perfection and a spiritual completeness. Doing this without laying again and again and again and again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of baptism, of laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead, and the eternal judgment. Let's go through those lists again. Baptism, uh, repentance, faith towards God, baptism, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. He says all these are important in which you should have been proficient long ago. And we will do this as we proceed to maturity, if God permits. I, when I understood that, realizing those are foundational and there is a maturity beyond that, which is called actually maturity, I was shocked. I was like, holy God, where am I here? But I've seen in my own life, not knowing, not knowing the foundational truth about who God is has always forced me either to, to give up which usually results in getting mad at God, getting angry at God, disappointed, disillusioned. God, are you there for me? Or I will do what I know with my two moves and hoping something will work. Sometimes it does, and often it may not. Now, for example, to think that God is an unjust God who must be badgered into responding is unfortunately uh, 
I would call that the lack of understanding of who God is. You see, traditionally we've been told uh, that you have to pray, pound the gates of heaven like the widow till your breakthrough comes. Whereas actually in Luke 18, Jesus says that he is our good father who longs to bring quick justice into our situation. It is also a mistake to think, oh, I did something to my notes. It is also a mistake to think that God rewards the praying effort. In Matthew 6, Jesus said, pagans pray this long prayer and they use these lofty words. These long and lofty words they pray and they think that their prayer will be heard. And he actually says, don't, don't be like them. Don't be like them. Unfortunately, this type of thinking, I believe, is what a Lord has been teaching about it, about orphan mentality. Um, I tell you what, if you have not heard his teachings, this online, you've got to listen to. It's awesome. But I think it is, under, it is important to understand who we are, who God is, and who he is to us, his intention, his heart towards us. Thank you. Hey, somebody. But it is also pointless to ask God to do something that he has already done. Traditionally, again, we've been told that you have to ask God for forgiveness, so you have to ask God for healing. Deliverance, pouring out his spirit, it is pointless. Jesus prayed that, if you look at Jesus prayed throughout the scriptures, it is mostly thanking and commanding. Mostly thanking and commanding. Very rarely do you find him um, asking. I don't know if you've been in a situation like I have when you have had to provide food for a bunch of crowd that is coming to see us, to see you, whether it be a home group or whatever. When you see the crowd walk in and uh, you look at the crowd and you look at the food, the, the amount of food you've made, and you're like, oh crap, oh crap. <laughs> um, Lord, Lord, have mercy on me here, have mercy on me here. Lord, stretch your food, stretch your food. And, yeah. But if you look at the scriptures, um, when Jesus actually looked, uh, when Jesus took the five loaves and the three fish, the scripture says that he thanked the Lord and he blessed the food. That's all he did. He did not beg God for bringing that to, making it big or whatever. In Matthew 10, 8, uh, Jesus says, and I'm going to rephrase this. He says, Brenda, heal the sick. Just do it for free. Don't charge people. Caleb, raise the dead. Do it for free, though. Don't charge them. Jim, cast out demons. Do it for free. Don't charge anyone. He says, give as you have received without charge, whatever. This is Philip's translation. He did not say, ask God for healing. 
No, he said, you heal, you deliver, you bring it to pass. And he says, do it for free. Don't be greedy. Don't charge people. That was my version, sorry. A study of the scripture, you will never find Jesus begging God. You will never find Jesus begging God. Uh, everyone, he said in Matthew 7, uh, 7, he said, everyone who asks receives. Now, sometimes there is definitely a delay in the manifestation of our prayer. There's sometimes, um, there are two reasons for that. One is, there's certainly a challenge that the enemy brings. And the second part is that um, it's just delay, but it is important to understand that God is never the reason, never the reason for a delay. Uh, when I look at my own life, a lack of understanding who God is has been in my life towards me has always made me disheartened when the situation does not go the way I needed it to go, what I wanted to see. It's always either I've been disheartened or blame God. <clears throat> in Daniel 9.23, I love this verse. Uh, Daniel prayed two prayers, the prophet Daniel. He prayed two prayers. The one of the prayers, the first one of the prayers was they were both answered. Both the prayers were answered uh, immediately. But Daniel received uh, one of the uh, answers to the prayer Daniel received fairly immediately. The second prayer that was prayed, the answer did not come for 21 days. And that's because uh, when the answer was given, Gabriel that was bringing the answer, Prince of Persia, Prince of Persia, uh, Prince of Persia, <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> Persia. But uh, uh, Gabriel got uh, Prince of Persia went against him, and he was actually fighting to an extent that Gabriel, uh, Michael actually had to come to his help. And so when, when Gabriel shows up, and I have and always wondered, Daniel, of course, we know him, this prophet, great prophet, but I wondered if during those 21 days, if he was at any given time disheartened, if at any given time I would have been, if he had any given time, he was human like us, right? It wouldn't be any different. But if he was any disheartened, if he was questioning who he is, or questioning if God is angry, or... And I love this verse in Daniel 23. It says, at the beginning of your supplication, to com uh, the command to give you an answer was issued. I've come to tell you, for you are highly regarded and greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the message and begin to understand. I love the way God dealt with Daniel. And I think, I think Daniel went through those emotions, questioning. And the first thing that God shows up, when Gabriel shows up, the first thing that, Dan, that he tells Daniel is, you are greatly beloved and highly favored. It wasn't you. It wasn't because of you that it took 21 days for the answer to come to you. I'm not angry at you. I didn't turn my head from you. I, mean, I wasn't walking away. It was not because of who you are that there was a delay in the answer. Then later on, he goes and he says, yeah, there was a 21-day fight. And he actually keeps on reading three times. If you read um, chapter 10, I think about three or four times, Gabriel tells him, you're highly loved. You're greatly loved and highly favored. I believe um, 
not understanding, not having faith in who God is, it's impossible to, cert- to be certain when we pray, certain of His will. How can we pray in faith if we are uncertain of what His will is? Uh, one of the greatest strategies, uh, tragedies of today's modern church, I believe, is that so many are uncertain regarding His will for forgiveness, for healing, for deliverance, provision, despite the emphatic promises in the Scriptures, despite all the promises that are in the Scriptures, church today is so uncertain of what His will is. So generally, it would be, if we lay hand on someone, we pray, Lord, if it be Thy will, heal this dude, heal this guy. Whereas, if you look at the Scripture, everyone that came to Jesus, everyone that came to Jesus was healed. Not a single person was turned away. The only people who were not is because they did not believe in Jesus, but everyone that came to Jesus was healed. Um, in Mark eleven twenty-two, 22, oh, I'm one behind, I'm in time, sorry. Where am I? Holy cow, where am I? I think there's a page missing. Oh, uh, that's fine. You guys, you guys can listen to me. You love my voice, don't you? <laughs> I said, oh, God. <laughs> okay, uh, sorry, I should have paid attention. Um, but yeah, uh, where was I? Yes, in Mark... Uh, in Mark eleven twenty two, um, faith moves God. Where are we? That's where we should be. Okay, in Mark eleven twenty two, Jesus says, "Have faith in God." I tell you the truth: if anyone says to this mountain, "Go throw yourself into the sea," and does not doubt in his heart, and believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received, and it will be yours. It is kind of an outlandish prayer, in my opinion. When I've read the first time, I'm ready, talking to a mountain to go into the sea, ha, yeah, whatever. But I love it because Jesus actually lays the foundation for this prayer. He says, he starts with have faith in God. And if you have faith in God, you can tell a mountain to drop into the sea and it will be done. Have faith in who God is. Have faith in his character. Have faith in his heart. Have faith in his intentions towards you. Have faith in what he says, in who he says he is. Um, and often when we are faced with this mountain-sized problem, our tendencies are generally that we run towards God and we tell God all about our mountains. We run to God and say, Lord, if you only know who my boss is, she is, or he, equal opportunity, uh, you have no idea what about my health, Lord. My health, this is what is going on with my health, and 
my finances, Lord. I um, have so much debt to go that I don't even know what to do. And da, 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 da. I love, I love how T.D. Jake says it. Um, I heard this a long time ago, and it kind of stuck with me. He says, he doesn't ask you to pray to get information. What do you know that heaven is unaware of? And if you've heard T.D. Jake's style of doing, he sounds like this. He says, what do you know that heaven is unaware of? I love the way he does it, but it's so true. What do we know that he's unaware of? Um, you see, he already knows our problems. He already knows who we are. And he's already provided everything we need to overcome our situation. Would it be healing? First Peter 2, he says that by his stripes we are healed. Second Corinthians 8, finances. He became poor that we become rich. So when we, when we face a mountain... Let's not tell the mountain about who, uh, let's not tell about God who, what the mountain is all about. Let's tell the mountain who God is. You see, you can start with saying that he is that mighty king that, whose name is above every other name. He holds the universe in his palm. He's written our names in the palm of his hand. Remind the mountain that he absolutely loves us, that we are his sons and daughters. That remind him that what is true of him is true of us. What is true of him is true of us. You see, in Philippians 2.19, it reads, it reads, for this reason, because he obeyed, so completely humbled himself that God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every other name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in submission to, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So your mountain, our mountain, our mountain always has a name. Whether it be sickness, whether it be cancer, whether it be debts, finances, depression, whatever the mountain may be, it always has a name. And as long as it has a name, it has to bow to the name of Jesus. I've I've experienced this myself, and this is my suggestion. uh, And my suggestion is to treat these challenges like you would treat if someone comes to steal your house. I bet a thousand bucks. If any of you shows up, if a thief shows up at your house, you would not automatically think of, okay, now I've got to call the insurance company, make sure to get everything replaced, or turn around and, okay, I need to go to the doctor because I'll be really tense and I need some muscle relaxers, this is, I'm going to lose everything. No, you stand up, you stand with an authority, with a, with a, a boldness that comes out of nowhere. And I think uh, and I think that's how we should do. I, a few years ago, when I would mow the yard, I would have these allergies that would come in. My eyes would start watering. My nose would start running. And it felt yucky. And, I, and while mowing, I would stand and I would say, this is my house. You're not welcome here. You are not welcome. I 
do not accept you. I refuse you in the name of Jesus. I, will, I fought for a few times. I don't remember how many those few times were. For a few times, it took about 10, 15, 20 minutes. I fought and I fought and I fought. It went away. As time went on, that time was reduced. And I've had no attack past three years. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. You see, the Lord always gives the answer that we are asking for. But we do have to fight. And as I was saying earlier, the, often the pray, the, the delay in the answer, either the enemy challenges our authority or there is a fight. And the point is to understand God's heart towards who he is, towards us, who he is towards us, his, his intention, that he loves us. That Isaiah 53 that I was reading earlier, uh, the book of um, the chap- Christmas chapter that I was referring to earlier, um, it's such a magnificent verse, but I don't know if, you've, um, if you remember verse 1, it says, who has believed our report? Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And I'll, wait, I'll make that relevant today. Who will believe his report? Who will believe his report? I want to close with this quote by Paul Ellis. <laughs> it's become my favorite. It really has. I'm just going to read it. I do. Yeah. Understand that we are not fighting to get the victory. We are fighting to enforce the victory that Christ has already won. Satan and sicknesses were disarmed at the cross, Colossians 2.15. That's why we are called to stand rather than advance, Ephesians 6.13. We are not taking ground. We are holding ground that is already ours through Christ Jesus. So stand firm and declare God's word over your circumstances. Your tongue holds the power of life and death, Proverbs 18. So proclaim life, proclaim grace, health, and freedom over your situation. Satan is defeated. All we have to do is accept the victory and stand on the victory. In Jesus' name. True truth.